Capturing the world. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is David Carmichael II. And before we get into our new episode, I want to tell you about my brand, Capture the World. Capture the World is a black-owned streetwear brand from Hampton, Virginia. Capture the World represents the young generation of creatives around the world. Next up are Millennials and Generation Z. What is a creative? A creative can be described as an individual that sees the world differently from everyone else. A creative can be looked at as a leader or a person that influences people with their gifts and talents. A creative uses their gift from God, not for money and fame, but for the greater good of the world. A creative thinks outside of the box and brings innovation in the world. Anyone from the young generation can be considered creative and capture the world, but those people that are ambitious, passionate, and have perseverance are the only ones that can bring their gifts and talents into fruition and capture the world. Are you a creative? Do you want to capture the world? Capture World Apparel plans to provide the highest quality, high fashion, and give a unique look. You can visit our website at www.captureTheWorldApparel.com. The world is yours. Capture it. This episode was recorded on September 28th, 2020. Hope you enjoy. Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is your host, David Carmichael II, and I'm on another episode of the Caption World Podcast. And I have another great special guest for you all. His name is David Angel. Um, David Angel, he is a sales coach. He uses his sales skills to help people with their business using an uh, interactive sales and coaching, uh, coaching program. Um, introducing David Angel. How are you doing today, sir? Outstanding. How are you? I'm doing good. Can't complain. We were just talking about you know the time difference um you know you're from the uk and i'm from the united states i live on the east coast of the united states which is the state of virginia so it is six o'clock over here you say it's about 11 o'clock at night over there so we have a couple of hours difference yeah but... so just go on 11 p.m yeah so you know that's awesome though i've always wanted to visit the uk never had a chance to visit but do plan on doing it one day especially when it's pandemic kind of dies down um so what part of the uk are you from uh, well i live on the south coast so in hampshire um but i spent 15 years in london and uh, moved all over so with the uk being a lot smaller of a country um everywhere is pretty accessible so even if you move to somewhere like london where i live now so like an hour hour and a half away so it's not a long distance um just after a few, quite a while of being in london and the crazy lifestyle that's uh, something a little bit calmer, living by the ocean is a little bit more relaxing now. I know that's right. So um, how's the weather out there? Is it is it still warm or is it getting kind of cooler outside? Just starting to turn now. Um, today's the first day getting the coat back out and starting to see it. For me, I mind it's too much. Um, as you know, with anything like this, if you're doing something you enjoy, um, you would spend a lot of time working. I think for most people, it's sort of enjoy the summers the most for the people who don't work as much or have built up enough in life for where they can go and enjoy and sit on the beach all day. For me, I, I'm always in front of a computer or working anyway, just from choice rather than having to. Um, so I don't mind it too much when the, when the winter comes. Okay, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, like, let's my first question, let's get to a little bit of a background of yourself growing up. Let's give us a little bit of detail of you growing up and, you know, how was it growing up and, um, you know, what, what were your interests, you know, back then? 
Yeah, I mean, growing up, I come from uh, a fairly standard background. Parents still together, good life, uh, good home life. Um, wasn't the best in school. I was someone that I got bored very, very easy. I don't think with the way that I don't know what it's like with the education in America. I find it very much in the UK, but. Uh, with the education system it's here, it's very much geared for workers. It's geared to get you in, get you ready for working in a factory or a call centre or an office mm-hmm. and get you out. I don't think school is set up and designed for people that are entrepreneurs. Now, I've just turned 40, um, and I imagine schools are probably a lot more adapted to this now. But I was just the guy which didn't... Re- no one really could explain to me why learning about the Battle of Hastings or colonial wars or whatever it would be was mm-hmm. going to be relevant in my life so i never really because it didn't have my attention and they didn't hold my attention with subjects i was interested in there wasn't a, a real reason if someone had told me though we're learning how to write a letter we had to write ours to the queen i don't know why they let's write it to the queen but as an example if someone had done that and explained to me if you learn how to write this letter properly you'll be able to send a letter to us £100,000 in government grants or whatever, but can make you money. It would make a lot more sense. Right. And so I went up through school, didn't really enjoy it. Um, I actually ended up becoming a chef um, and got to quite a high standard on that, run my own restaurants, um, and, and then sort of got bored of it. And then coming out after that stage, I didn't really have any qualifications of any merit. Um, but I was relatively confident, so I ended up in a sales job. Um, it just made sense to me going into it. Now, I say it made sense. I enjoyed it. It was a lot more my type of thing, but I wasn't a great salesperson. So I wasn't someone who was naturally gifted. I wasn't a person who sort of swanned in, had record months. I found it quite hard after the first six weeks. You know what it's like in the job when you've been there, the novelty wears off, you've been there a month. And I got to the stage. I was almost uh, like hitting my head against a brick wall. And then a guy which I knew who was doing well, and I literally said to him, I was like, what, what's the hell? What's, what are you doing that I'm not? He's like, oh, think of it like this and think of it like that. And started giving me these little nuggets. And all it literally did was it just gave me his perspective. I was going into it with very different eyes. I was going into it and talking as much as I possibly could. I was not listening. I wasn't asking good questions. But suddenly a light clicks. Next thing, I'm the month after in the top 10 out of about 60 people. By the end of the year, I'm the top three. And always in that top three from from there on. But I become a good student. Um, And then that sort of progressed. I had my own businesses, um, which were doing great. I owned a bar. I had a sales team. Um, I had a breakdown and actually lost everything that I had worked for over the years. Mm. Um, and the one thing that was left at the end of this on my rebuild was, was these sales skills, which had been great. And then that ended up becoming my passion for helping in training. So I then got to the stage where I enjoyed training people. So setting up and coaching other people was made sense because I had the skills. And as we were just saying a, a minute ago, with the internet where it is now, then taking the skills and the ability to go and sell, train a sales team or in a business you're limited by only being able to do one or two a week because they want you there all the time. Mm-hmm. So by then creating that and putting it online, it led me to presenting the sales network, which then enabled people from 
I've got quite a lot of people in the States, I've got people in Asia who can access the coaching. So then you just need to find like-minded people that want to progress. And that's about where we are now. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, so you know, you say you started getting to sales um, at an early age. So, you know, and you, you was asking the other guy, you know, what are you, what are you doing that I'm not doing to become good in sales? So, like, what, what, what skills do you think you need to become good in sales? Like, what do you always got to be a people person? Is that always a, a thing, or is it that and other other things included with that? The big thing with sales, sales has got a, a, a almost a, a bad reputation. I think everyone who's ever brought a car has had the thing where they've gone off and checked the bottom of the test driving times and gone to 20 garages. Just by a, a, the fact of the numbers that you're doing, you're going to come across people that are terrible at sales. Whoever you've received, I don't know if you get lots of phone calls from different uh, energy suppliers and stuff where you are. But in the UK, you get it all the time. There's just so many salespeople out there. Um, our experiences are often negative. And as such, I think a lot of people just have a very negative association with what selling actually is. And I think the problem with that is a lot of people don't try. A lot of people hide the fact that they're selling in sales. Now, if you're doing a job where you hide from people, but that's what you do, you're not going to commit 100% to it. Mm -hmm. And then it comes up becoming a cycle where... People aren't committed and passionate about what they do, so they don't make a big effort, and they end up becoming a terrible salesperson, just like the very thing they didn't want to become, because they didn't. Now, the people that are smart and learn how to sell effectively, you think about it, we're talking earlier about with your clothing brand. You can have the best clothing brand out there. If no one knows about it, it's pointless. Like an idea. An idea is pointless. It's the execution on that idea that matters. Same with the internet now. You need to go up and you need to have people having eyes on your product, people seeing it, holding it, feeling it, owning it, people talking about it. Now, that's all well and good, but if you don't know how to then turn those into actual buyers or into clients or how to follow up with them, you can quite easily miss out on a vast amount of clients because you just don't know. We, we just what we think is right. That makes sense. That does. Um, and I think that's the big problem with a lot of people out there. A lot of people are great ideas, people. But when it comes down to the execution and effective execution, for a lot of people out there, say, I don't know, if you randomly pick a number, say if you sell 100 pieces of clothing in your clothing company in a month, mm -hmm. that might feel great. You might be happy with that. But what you might not realize is, that's actually only 5% of what you could be doing because you're making these mistakes. Your follow-up isn't great. Um, there's a problem with something simple like your copy or the approach or maybe if someone asks you a question, but you handle it. And that can affect your reputation. So if you're not effective in these areas, you're missing a lot of time business that people would realize. And a lot of the time out to me it's not just learning new skills a lot of unlearning skills over being effective you think of any big sports star the biggest ones out there even some of them do the most practicing because they're effective and they hone down on those skills does that make sense right it makes a lot of sense and i can definitely agree with the um you know the idea part when you know you said people a lot of people have ideas but they don't know how to execute on them and it's like they know what the idea is and it can be a great business model or whatever, 
but they just don't know how to implement it, how to get it out there, how to get people to, um, you know, like what they do or just, you know, be tuned in to what they do. So, and then sometimes people get mad when they have an idea, then they see somebody like later on might create a business off an idea they had. And then they try to say, oh, you, they stole my idea. And it's like, they ain't steal it. You just didn't execute on it. It's not their fault or, you know, that they implemented it, you know. So, yeah, you just got to figure out how to really execute what you're thinking in your head, you know. And yeah. sometimes we have ideas and we don't really know how to get it out. All we know is we have an idea and then we just get stuck. So, I, I definitely think a lot agree. Of people as well get stuck on asking for or seeking help. And this is the problem again with the internet. The internet's great because there is access to everything. But it's hard to gauge because everyone's got a nice website. Everyone's got a nice couple of carousels on their Instagram. So it's difficult to gauge who are the people that can actually help me and who are the people that can actually harm me. And a lot of people are so fearful of making the mistake that they rather stay where they are. Because like, if I stay here, at least I'm progressing a little bit at a time. They would rather risk not making the big growth, but not losing by having these. But actually, imagine now, say if you if you spent $3,000 on a coach to help you in your clothing business, mm -hmm. and they turn out and they're rubbish. There'll be some stuff in there, one that you will learn not to do, and there'll be some stuff you'll learn from. Now, if you imagine over the next 20 years, go through five coaches, but one coach helps you turn over and make a million pounds worth of profit. Helps you create a million pound business. But five coaches have been worth it. It was worth going through the hardship. But people are so fearful of making a mistake and other people seeing that mistake, they limit what they can actually do in their potential. Which I think is a crying shame for people. Yeah, I can agree. And I guess some people are just fearful of, you know, wasting money and time. But I guess you're not going to really know until you try. You know, you just, you, yeah. you know, you just got to make a decision to do it. That, yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, a lot of people are worried about wasting short amount of time. So imagine now, now we say that again, say if you have £3,000 in a course and you waste three months. But what people are, they're, they're scared, not scared, they're, they'd rather do that. But then their future, how old are you? Uh, I'll be 30 next month. Okay, so you think, say if you live to be 80, that's 50 years worth of potential there. So imagine if that coach works well and you have 50 years worth of earning, even just another $30,000 a year. 50 years worth of that. That's a lot of money wasted. If you don't hit your potential, not only the psychological and the emotional and the goal setting, but also the other things that that can do. All the things that you can buy you more time, it can make you more successful, it can, it can make you better with your costings, maybe make better at your way you network with people. There's a huge amount. The potential for damage is so small for a lot of people. But a lot of people we hold on to the stigma of things that didn't work in the past. And I think that's the big problem. A lot of people, if they get ridiculed or someone tells, says something bad to them, they hold on to that bad thing like it's a boulder in their life. And as soon as an opportunity comes up, they associate with this boulder of negativity and it becomes such a bigger thing. But when something good happens, people hold on to it so small. Someone said, walk up to you today, man, you look great today. You're like, brilliant. 
But if someone was the same person come up to you and said, you look awful today, you hold on to it all day. Right. And this happens in business and life and progress. And I think it's such a shame. And I think it's one of the big things we all need to change um, is to get better at, at letting stuff go and having more of a positive outlook and having more fear about what if we don't do it rather than what if I do. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that 100%, man. That's definitely some good points there. Um, I know you mentioned, you know, when you was giving me your background about, you know, your life growing up, you mentioned, you know, you, um, you know, some things happened and you had to bounce back from that. And you mentioned um, you had some, you know, chemical abuse and stuff like that. And you had to bounce back. Mm. You almost lost everything. So let's give me a little, you, know, you don't got to go all in detail. Just, you know, but let's give me a little bit of detail on that chapter in your life and yeah. how you bounce well, back this, from that. This is the thing I say to a lot of people out there. I think I, I, I act as um, good warning for what can happen in your life. But also my next chapter in my life is about what, how far you can shine from coming so low. Right. At right. my best, I had the crazy expensive watches, the Range Rovers, the big houses with a mooring outside with, for a boat. Um, or motorbikes, or cool holidays, all the other stuff. But because I didn't have, my mental capacity wasn't in the right place. Drinking too much, the, the craziest stuff. Um, and it becomes a stage where I thought things were fine and they weren't. And it was a little bit here and a little bit there. And we're talking about, we're not talking about like little bits on a Friday. We're talking about it become a life of it. And it got to the stage where I damaged everything so much I'd ruined the businesses. And I'd gone from having all this money, all the cool stuff, to literally sleeping in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's realisation of what, how bad things can go. Because just because someone's got money or because they've got it doesn't mean they're not two steps away from death. Um, right. And the turnaround point... For whatever reason, and I'm still not sure exactly why. I've got two kids, and I think they're an amazing. Reason. But I think what a lot of people get to the stage of it would have been a lot easier for me to give up. Um, and someone said to me, "I'm very good at listening to audiobooks, podcasts, and personal development." And I listened to something once, and the interview was basically saying it's easier to give up than it is to do it, and it is easier to give up. It's easier to stay in bed. It's easy to keep the curtains shut, feel bad about it. What's hard is getting up and saying, no more, I'm not doing this. I refuse to give up. This is not my life. This is not my future. Um, <clears throat> and take any action necessary. Now, my life's great. I enjoy it. My mental state's amazing. Like, I really vibe with it. But one thing I realized was I will do more for other people than I do for myself. So doing the coaching is amazing. Right. Because if I had a rocky point emotionally, the ability and the accountability that has happens from having that knowledge I have now from the downside makes me know exactly what I need to do and how I need to progress. Now, some people would see that this whole underlying thing is a massive point light in life. For me, it's a strength. Because if you can go through all of that, one, you know yourself better than anyone else does. Two, you don't part with any bullshit about um, excuses. You don't let yourself off the hook. You value what you have and have gratitude for what you have so much more. And if you've got an attitude and a belief system in place where you have full gratitude for what you already have, 
your life will become more abundant because you appreciate what stuff you've already got. I think a lot of people now, and I'm not saying everyone has it easy, but a lot of people out there have it a lot better than they realize, whether that's having a family, a partner, a roof over their head, to the extent that I remember sleeping in a car. But if you're sat listening to this now and you're late in a bed, you're doing a hell of a lot better than other people. Like if you're waking up in the morning and you're having a hot shower, people don't have hot water. Now, this is very basic stuff, but if you have the gratitude for all these things, it opens you up more to it's not as bad. It could be worse. It could always be a lot worse. I think a lot of people losing everything makes or breaks them. I really believe it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, from from you almost losing everything, you you had a choice to either accept what happened or to be like, look, if I can get this low, I can get you know, sky's the limit at this point, <laughs> you know, but some Absolutely. people, some people just accept it. Like, man, it's, it's over. I can't never bounce back from that. So it's all about your mindset. And if you can make it through that, you can make it through anything. That's the, you know, they, they still have that in your mind. Like, okay, well, this is where I'm at, but it doesn't always have to be like this. And you are correct okay. on, um, people not knowing how good they do have it. Yeah, massively. And I, I think with a lot of stuff out there, um, I was talking to a really good friend of mine recently, and we were talking about goal setting. And I think some people get that openly rush from daydreaming or looking on um, a website in the UK called Rightmove, which is like a property website. And I know people that go on there or go on car sites and they'll look at cars that are Rolls Royce race or million pound houses. And I think they get such an opening rush from looking at the pictures and visualizing that they're achieving it, that they don't have the need to actually achieve the goal. I think there's other people out there, they have the need and drive and execution. I, I don't need to be on the podcast at 11 o'clock at night, but I have the drive because I want to do 100 podcasts in the next 50 weeks. And right. the driver to make us do stuff has to be greater than the idea of having an early night in bed. The idea of your goals has to burn a hole in your soul with desire so much more than want to go out and party with your mates or go out and do this or go out and do that. You've got to be disciplined in that side because it was easy to get all that cool stuff and become wealthy and have the crazy cars. Everybody out there would have them. If working hard was enough, Every soldier, every police person, everyone who works in a building site, but do 80 hours a week. Working hard doesn't mean success. Working hard is a good contributor, but we have to realize it's not just that. It's the execution. What are we working hard on? What are we doing on ourselves? A lot of people will work an eight-hour day someone else, but not work half an hour a day for themselves. I think that's a shame. Yeah, very true. Very true. I definitely agree with that. Um, and I know, you know, you mentioned, you know, you went through your hardships and then you came back, bounced back. Now, you know, you're helping people with their business and, and how they do sales. Um, and I seen, you know, you got some videos on your, I mean, on your Facebook profile. And I believe is your business called the sales network? Yeah. So the sales, so I've been training people up for years. Um, and it's always been something which I've really enjoyed. And I think I'm probably better at being a coach and actually being a salesperson. And I was pretty good at that. 
But because I was a good student, I broke the sales down. In the same way that a chef breaks down a recipe, he doesn't just eat dinner, he breaks down each ingredient and how is each bit done before bringing it together. Right. So I got to a stage that I can train teams up, which is great, but then it becomes limiting. Because if I'm training at three companies, they've all got to be local to each other for me to get to each one. There's got to be certain times in the day that most training companies want you in there or sales businesses want you in there. Um, one of the big things about learning something like a skill, you think about people like LeBron, they didn't do like five three-pointers and they went, that's me done. They practiced all the time. So if I'm not there, how are we going to practice? So what I've done before, the now it's 370 videos. It's about 24 hours worth of interactive video content. Put it on the platform where people can actually access. So I coach and I do these things like now and I do face-to-face. But then other people, everyone else can actually have access to all these platforms. So you think for your business now, say if you're going to start doing face-to-face meetings and you're going to try and get in front of XYZ company. You can log on to the network. You can go to the face-to-face meetings. You can watch what you need on how to smash out of a park a perfect meeting. And what you practice that day, you'll be able to execute on. So this means then people are getting live coaching. But they've got someone in their pocket in video format, interactive, which asks you questions and you can watch it back and you can add your notes from everything. There's 22 different courses on there from how to prospect, inbound, outbound, objection handling, questions to ask, things to avoid, controlling your mental state, closing deals, upselling, so much. And knowing all of those individual skills combined can take someone who is already efficient at sales. You can, this isn't just for people that are new to sales. I know people now that have been in sales for 15 years and they have just been looking at one angle. I come in and I talk to them about a different angle. So they're doing something very simple, but with one little tweak, it changes it. Think about your phone number now. Change one digit, it won't come through to your phone. Same with executing on sales. Mm-hmm. That one little tweak here, one tuning there, is what takes a normal car and turns it into a race car. And that's what the sales network does. Awesome, awesome. Okay, so, and I also seen one of your videos, you said um, you can you can be able to sell anything. Um, what, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you, I mean, not all in detail, but what kind of, pointers do you suggest for people to say you can be able to sell anything what do you need for that one of of the main things with sales is not about selling it's about fulfilling a need fulfilling a desire or fixing a problem too many people you can't go and sell anything to anyone i'm a big believer in this just because you sell knives doesn't mean everyone could become a buyer but you can't anyone can be taught to go and sell knives Right. But not everyone is ready to buy a knife. Part and parcel of sales is people beat themselves up. Well, they go off and find five people. It's all five of those people and it didn't work. Well, yeah, all five of those people might not be buyers of knives or potential buyers. But realistically, like, didn't have a database. You didn't know how to approach those people. You didn't know how to build their interest. You didn't break down sale into a way which is attractive to them. A lot of salespeople are selfish. They want to do things on their terms. They want to pitch who they want to pitch in the way they want to be pitched. But it's not about them. It's about the buyer. 
everyone out there has had that experience where they went in to look at something and brought it. And I wasn't even planning to buy this. That's because the person fulfilled your needs so much, but you were just like, yeah, I want this. They took you from being an interested party to being, I want this and I need it now. Right. And they create that urgency. And what I do is help people break that down. So if you've got people now that, <laughs> excuse me, they are, a lot of people in sales, if you work for a company, you have a product and they need to tell you what to do. Now, just because someone tells you to do something doesn't always mean it's the most effective way of doing it. A lot of training I've talked to people about has stayed the same for five years. Now, you think about the difference on many things from Instagram, the way we use our phones, in the last five years has changed dramatically. And if you're training the same way now that you did five years ago, it doesn't mean it works. If you're using the same pitch, it doesn't mean it works. Buyers are, great, are, are, are smarter now than they've ever been before. And we demand a professional. We demand extra. You think now, you're 30 now, right? Mm-hmm. 10 years ago, if you went and brought a car, they were not putting bows on that for you. They weren't doing a reveal with a, the, the thing on there. They were videoing it for you. Do you know what I mean? They weren't putting stuff on social media saying, thanks, Tom, for buying a car through us. Right. These right. are all things now which are a commonplace thing. Not because you're buying a Ferrari or, or Rolls Royce, but because you're at a Honda carriage. Right. It's that adaption now. So everyone's leveling up. And a lot of people out there, they're doing the same thing they were before. You come in, you show them different ways. You give them different options. You show them what's been working for other people. You can prove it and explain the mechanisms behind those different sales techniques. Not just magic, mm-hmm. not just talking at people. It's about breaking it down, identifying key problems. Because a lot of people will turn around and say, oh, I'm not interested in X, Y, Z. No, a lot of the time, if someone tells you that they're not interested, what they're actually saying, anytime you get an objection in sales is normally because they value their money in their account more than they desire your product. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. If someone's got, if you're selling a t-shirt for $30 and someone's like, I don't like it, that's because they don't value it. That might be because they don't like the color, the texture, the price, your branding, whatever it is. The moment someone wants, even if they even if they like holding it for $30 worth of value, it doesn't mean they're going to buy it. Because they're like, oh, well, I like $30 and I like this. When they see so much more value in your product or your service, and it fulfills a need and it makes their life better or it saves them time, or whatever it is, more than it costs them, then they're going to be interested in doing something. But a lot of people are trying to get people to buy when it's the other way around. My product's amazing. Buy my water bottle. Buy it now. Buy it now. No one cares. Right. Yeah, I agree. You got to really make them want it. Like, it's not, I mean, everybody has, everybody's probably selling the same thing that you're doing. It's just, you got to create like an it factor of why yours is the one. And you got to kind of create hype about it. something out there that makes it shine. And a lot of people are not. Everyone's trying to place an ad on Facebook for a penny an ad, a click or whatever. And trying to just get a deal in. Instead, actually, looking after the clients. You think now everyone who's brought anything you've sold, your clothing line, if you went off and you just spent the next two days contacting every person, sending them a text, personalized, hey, just want to say thanks for buying this last year, going to send you our newsletter, whatever it is. That personal touch now, 
makes them feel appreciated so much more. And a lot of people forget that. And they're so focused on trying to sell to new people, they don't hone in on those people out there. But actually, they've already brought your product. They already had more value than your product cost. They've already had it, held it, appreciated it, loved it, as long as your product's good. That's easier to make money from and help that person because they already like your stuff. So if you're like, listen, I've got a new clothing range coming out or we've got a new trainer coming out or there's a new hat coming out. It's like, well, I'd love to see that. Come down and see us. We really did it. See what I'm saying? Right. That, that, that's a lot easier for a lot of people than it is to go and drive a new business. Yeah, definitely agree, man. Yeah, those are some great points, man. Um, yeah, because you just got to, you really got to focus on what everybody else isn't doing. You, I think we sometimes we follow what everybody else is doing when it comes to sales or how we market our brand. And we think the way we think people are doing things is what we got to do. But you got to really think about what everybody else isn't doing too. Like, okay, what am I doing? What am I not doing that I don't see everybody else doing? You got to really think outside the box and really... Like, what else can I be doing? What else can I do? What else can I add to it, to my brand? What else can I be doing every day? You got to keep thinking and keep growing different ideas, you know. Joe Rogan said something in an interview recently. He said, imagine how different you would work if there was a TV film crew following you around 24 hours a day, seven days a week, filming your success story before it happened. Mm. What would you do different? How would you work? How would you compose yourself? How would you handle yourself before a meeting? How would you dress? How would you speak? How would you handle a complaint? How would you handle doing? You would be so much differently because you'd be fitting, you'd have a film crew filming you. It would just make so much more effort. And all those little efforts in a day you would make, I think, would people would tenfold their income because they would just hold themselves so much more accountable because there's a film crew there filming what they're doing. They want everyone to realize how hard they work. We let ourselves off for too much sometimes. It gets right. a little bit tough. It gets a little bit uncomfortable. And it's easy to... And, and no one ever says, I'm giving up forever. Everyone's like, I'm just going to stop for today. Right. I'm going to finish early today. I'll start a bit later today. I'll do that call tomorrow. Everyone's got their to-do list that they're not doing. And if you stay regimented, and you stay disciplined, as if someone's filming you every day, watching you what you're doing, because you will become a success, Imagine you're worth $10 million in five years. And they sent back in time a film crew. We've got to do the actions now as if the film crew's filming up because we know if you guaranteed that you'd make 10, have a $10 million company in five years' time, how much more would you do every day? It's right. the fact it's not a guarantee that holds us back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree 100%. Um. I got like two more questions before before I let you go, man. Um, my next question is, you know, you are given a lot of advice, a lot of advice so far in this podcast. But if you can just give one piece of advice to a business owner or entrepreneur, um, what what would you say to them? Let go. Someone said to me the other day that seventy percent of the things we think and believe now that we action on now, the beliefs we have, whether that's political business, what can work, can't work, is just not even ours. It's stuff we've heard or it's a news article or it's something someone's told us or something we've seen on TV with families told us. Have your eyes open for every opportunity that's out there and really look at things with new eyes. Just because something didn't work for you before doesn't mean it won't work again. 
Just because you played baseball and you've struck out for a year does not mean you can't go and hit a baseball ever. It just means you need to do something slightly different. So I would say that that would be one of them. And from what I see with so many people out there is seek good counsel. I've, I have a coach. I have someone who advises me and getting me from where I'm now to my next level. And that's a normal thing. And I, I, the accountability you get with it is not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Because you suddenly just take it so much more seriously. Look at the Mike Tyson's little world. You've never seen a heavyweight boxer get in the ring without a corner man, without a coach. Right. Right? <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that the coach is better at boxing. It just means he's good at standing on the sidelines and knowing what the opposition are doing compared to what you can do and how to transition that so that you're a success. Why the pad man's there? Because he's good at pads. What you want to do is have a team around you that can take it down. I have people that help me with doing my online marketing. I have people which I'm just taking on now to help me with social media. Because social media, marketing is not sales. Right. It's a big difference. So having those different areas, having people there that are going to give you the strength to get all those little bits in place. All the areas that you need with a race car to get it just right. There's so many tweaks. No point having a perfect engine and having no tires on the car. Like, we need it all. Sure. Yeah. Seek your counsel would be my other point. That's awesome, man. That's, that's really great advice, man. Um, yeah, before I let you go, man, like I said, I appreciate the conversation. Um, Dave and Angel, I appreciate the conversation. Some really great points. You My made pleasure. So far. Um, just tell all the listeners, you know, where they can find you on social media and in any other places, you know, you want them to go to. Yeah. Well, uh, the easiest thing to do is go to David Angel TSN. So that's David Angel with one L. The sales network at TSN on any social media and you'll find me on there. Um, I've also got, um, an ebook. And there's loads of free content, actually. Instagram for best one to get me on because there's always new content and videos that people can get for free. My aim is to help 1,000 people, directly help 1,000 people sell more effectively in the next year. Um, and the target, I mean, it's going to get increased. But I put a lot of content out there because it's hard, like we said earlier, to know who to trust, who to have faith in. This gives you the way where you can get an ebook for free. You can watch the videos for free. But when you get to the stage, you're like, actually, this guy knows what he's talking about. He can help me. And I have a couple of questions. You can jump in the DM um, and have a business chat um, and tell me where you are and stuff. Jump on a free strategy call. I'm a big believer in giving free time away, giving content away so that people will know where they are. If you're not 100% confident, over 100% in. Yeah, you can David Angel TSN on any of the socials. Grab the ebook and have a chat. No doubt, no doubt, man. So all of uh, all of my listeners, you know, make sure y'all check out David's David Angel's content on um his social media profiles, man. And I also want to give a shout out to all of our Spotify listeners, Apple Podcast listeners, and YouTube listener listeners. Um, thank y'all for continuing to um rock with us and check out the show. Please, you know, if you haven't subscribed already, please subscribe and just spread the word about the show. And uh, Mr. David Angel, I appreciate your time today. And um, I just, like I said, keep grinding and just, you know, continue to be a help to all the business owners and entrepreneurs around the world. I appreciate your help. I'm happy to be on here. I have to catch up again another time. Yes, sir. Most definitely. And um, this is your host, David Carmichael II. 
And this is another episode of the Caption World Podcast. We'll see y'all on the next episode. Y'all be safe. Peace.